I've got um, my friends with me here. So this is Taylor, Rebecca, Friedrich, and AJ. And they've flown over. Yeah, give them a round of applause. It's great. Great to have you guys with us. And these guys, these guys have flown over from the US just for New Day. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. I had some time with them yesterday just to hear their story, and I'm really excited uh, for all of us to hear it. So I guess let's start with what happened. I mean, you know, it's kind of lots of conversations have been going on here in the UK and in kind of things I've been reading and listening to about kind of this amazing thing that God was doing. Is it revival? Is it an outpouring? What does it mean when God turns up? Well, we, you guys were eyewitnesses. You experienced it your own self. So Taylor, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit of a context in terms of, I suppose, the run-up to that day when God started to move. What was going on in Asbury? Yeah, so my name is Taylor, like you said, and I actually am a staff member at Asbury. So I graduated from there um, a while back, and I get the privilege of, of interacting with students and getting to work with them. And just like in your youth groups and in this environment and this generation, we were seeing a, a heaviness um, with mental health, with anxiety, with depression, with suicide. And people like to think that because we're a, a Christian university, that we're immune to those things. But the statistics that we see in the world right now are happening in our universities. And so there was really um, a hunger and a thirst. And a while back, Asbury started doing retreats uh, for all the students. We've received a grant where every student goes on a retreat to just help them be grounded in uh, a biblical worldview, to know how to read scripture, to know how to, to receive God's love and what that looks like. And I really feel like those retreats really um, created some really fertile soil for our students as they were hungering and thirsting uh, for more, uh, carrying a burden for their friends, for, their, for healing for their families, and to see God work in their own life. And so I remember um, the week before the outpouring started, I was having a conversation with another staff member, and she had just been encountering a lot of students that were struggling that week. And I just remember her saying, something has to give. We cannot continue on this way. Um, we, need, we need to see God move in a big way in our students. And the only way that we knew how to do it was through prayer. Um, and so like, um, like Martin said, a chapel service that it was very ordinary, um, started at 10 a.m. and then uh, it didn't stop for 16 days. So uh, there's a lot more, obviously, that we'll, we'll talk about there. But um, I'll let Rebecca talk a little bit about her experience and, and how, how she saw it start. That's great. I mean, so, so, so the build-up to it, it, it was this kind of interesting blend of um, a growing appetite for something of God, but in the context of real genuine difficulties in life, particularly, as you're saying, kind of mental health challenges, depression, suicide. That's the context that's going on around the area. And then that morning, so Rebecca, you, of the four of you, you were the first that kind of uh, got to chapel uh, and kind of experienced it. Just tell us, tell us from your perspective that how that day worked. Yeah, um, was a little late to that. Got it, got it. There we go. Um, I was almost a little late to it, actually. Thank you. Um, and I remember the gospel choir was singing and Zach Mearcreaves was preaching on Romans 12. And the gist of Romans 12 is, let love be genuine. Um, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And he talked about hypocritical love and how a lot of people in our lives like claim that they have loved us, but have wronged us in so many absurd, crazy ways. And so he prayed over each row 
in that service uh, that we would experience true love from the Lord, like Jesus's love. And I remember they saying, mighty one, I can't remember who sang it, but I have felt the depths of your mercy and oh, how your love surrounds me. And they closed chapel it's from usually like 10 to 11 usually. And we closed and we continued worship, which wasn't like, this wasn't planned, but it was, it wasn't out of the ordinary that we were worshiping after chapel. And I remember praying with one of my friends, Grace, uh, Ephesians four. And this really like started to uphold, like just like grow. So I'm just going to read that real quick. It's in verse 20. If y'all want to go with me in Ephesians four, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We began praying renewal over students in the Hughes auditorium in that building uh, for healing, for to renew their minds on the way that they think of themselves, the way that they think of others, and most importantly, how they think of the Lord. And we just continued prayer, and one of our friends, Charlie, shared his testimony. Even music had stopped, and we were just praying, just the 20 to 30 of us. And he shared his testimony of how he struggled with mental health, how like he had suffered a lot of loss, even earlier that summer, the loss of his parents, and just the magnitude of that, the mental health crisis that was going on. And he, he shared his testimony of just how the Lord had healed him. And so there was a moment, an opportunity where, Hey, is anyone in this room struggling with, with depression, with anxiety, like a suicide ideation, like let us pray over you. And we began grouping together in prayers, praying over each other, praying scripture over each other and worshiping again. And this went on, like it started to grow each hour. It just changed every hour. And I remember like literally till two in the morning, uh, it's a, it's a college, it's a university. And so there's, there's guys coming in with mattresses because they wanted to rest in God's faithfulness. There's, and let's see, in the afternoon, the president, it was still going on. Only a few of us were still going and a huge group of students were coming back into that room and they were singing, Oh, how he loves us by Crowder. And that's, that's the gist of it. Like that was what it was all about is how much Jesus has died for us, how much he loves us. And there were three groups I I can discern of like, there was those who were just on fire for the Lord, understood his love for them. And another who were repenting of their sins, who were sorrowful for what they had done and just like repenting of that. And then another group who had so many questions to God and so many doubts and were scared and just brought those to the altar of like, Lord, why am I struggling with this? Like, what do I do? And we've got to pray over those as well. And just the love of God, just the peace and the holiness that went on for those 16 days, just, it changed every hour, but that holiness and peace uh, throughout that was significant. That's great. That's amazing. I love that because I think those three categories, basically all of us will land into one of those three, won't we? In terms of either at the moment, really enjoying God's love and and confident in that. There's things in our lives that we need to repent of and find freedom in. All those questions that we've got. All of us here, you know, whether in the big top or in the venue, all of us will be in, in one of those categories. And what I love, Rebecca, about your story is that you turned up late 
I just think that's brilliant in terms of, you know, like God isn't that kind of God that, you know, he's a rule keeper. You were 10 minutes late to chapel, so you don't get to enjoy the blessing. He's, he's so good, isn't he, in that way? So that's great. Um, AJ, I'm going to jump to you because you were at chapel that morning as well, weren't you? So why don't you just share with us a bit of your story? Yeah, so I was at chapel. I had met Zach Meerkrebs at one of the retreats that Taylor was talking about. And so I kind of marked that day, like, in my calendar, like, Zach's preaching today, like, I need to show up to chapel. So I showed up to chapel, um, and was really moved by what he had said about love in Romans 12. Uh, but then I saw people staying to worship afterwards, and but I had to do homework. You know, it's a school. I got classes to go to. So I left the chapel, went and did homework, went about my day. Um, I'm on the tennis team at Asbury. So I was getting back late from practice later that day at around like 930 and I turned to my teammate and I was like, there's still people inside chapel. Like they're still inside. And I like put my stuff up and expected to go in there and see like a few groups of people. But like the lower level was already full. Like it was 930 at night. And I was like, this is crazy. And like, as soon as I walked in like the building, like I could just feel like something was different. Like it was not a feeling that I'd ever felt before. Like I was just overwhelmed with the spirit. And one of the crazy things about like the revival is like that second day when I came back, I got there at like 1 p.m. And I thought I had been in there for like an hour and I checked my phone and it's like 5 p.m. Like time in that building just did not exist. Uh, it was crazy. That's amazing. That's great. So for you then, so you, you, were, you were at chapel, you're in the service. It was a good service. I like it wasn't, the focus wasn't on God's outpouring or kind of revival. The focus was just journeying through Romans 12. You're impacted by it, but to be honest, you've got some homework to do. You've got to go. You've got tennis. got to go to tennis. And I love the fact that even in that, you came back, God's at work, and, and you get drawn into it. Friedrich, tell us, tell us your, your story of, of that day. So God's moving. Chapel is um, expected. Is it compulsory? Yes. So it's compulsory that students have to go to chapel. Friedrich, where were you? Okay, so I'm probably not the best Asbury student. Um, the reason for that, I actually have an internship, so I get like a skip free of chapel. Um, so we're required to go three times a week, and I wasn't there. Um, but as I'm leaving my internship, I check my phone, um, and I just see one of my friends post on Instagram, like, um, come to Hughes, which for context, Hughes is the name of our chapel. Um, come to Hughes, God is moving. People are still staying after. I'm like, what the heck? Um, but I go around my normal day. I get back. Um, I go to dinner with a friend and I get back about eight. Um, and I just go to bed. I'm like, there's no way it's still going on. Sure enough, wake up in the morning, check my phone, 3 a.m. God's still moving. Everybody come to Hughes. And then still I'm like, there's no way. Like they've must've gone to bed. Like it's not going on. And so I'm a finance major. I have an eight o'clock in the morning finance class and I go to that class and I'm still I'm thinking, okay, it's over. I mean, and I'm really kind of upset. I'm like, dang, I really missed something cool. Um, but I come to my finance class and we have a devotion every morning, typically a red devotion. Uh, for the first time in 13, 14 years of um, education, the teacher brings out a guitar and lays it on the table and says, boys, um, Sometimes there's things in life that happen you just can't explain with words. So it's six of us guys and the teacher, and we start singing, as the spirit is moving over the water, spirit come move over us, come rest on us, come rest on us. And still at this point, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, we pray that, we have my class, 
the next teacher, I have a 9.30 class comes in. She's like, guys, I hear what's happening. You guys are free to go, whatever. Um, so I remember I'm leaving and it just pops in my mind for some context. At Asbury, we've had a few revivals in our past. Uh, I don't know how long Asbury's been around, but five or six, I think. Um, and the last one was 50 years ago. And so I'm thinking, no way, like, this is not that. But let's cool, let's go check it out. And I remember just walking in there. There's such a joyful presence, such a lightness to the spirit of the room. Um, the way I describe it or heard it best described, it was like a rushing water pulling you in, but a still water as you were in there. So there's just this lightness, this rest of the spirit. And honestly, we were just celebrating that the spirit of God was resting upon us. And you know, the sun was shining. You could not keep a smile off my face or anyone else's face. Um, of course, at this time, it's just students, um, just such a pure, pure moment that I've had with the Lord. Um, and then, like I said, it went on for 16 days and the whole world came, so. Amazing, amazing. And so then, Taylor, you're in a bit of a different dynamic to, to these three, where obviously these three are students. You're on staff there. So talk to us about your experience of that. So how did it, how did it look like for you from the kind of teacher's perspective? <laughs> yeah, so um, that morning, as staff members, we are encouraged to attend chapel when we can. And, you know, we get busy. We have meetings and things happen. So um, I had a meeting that morning and the same friend who I had been speaking with earlier that week about just some mental health issues, uh, she texted us and she said, I think I just experienced the most powerful worship I've ever experienced in Hughes. And it was our gospel choir, which was odd to me, um, but she said, something is shifting and something is changing. And so I didn't think anything of it. I was like, you know, whatever. Uh, so I went about my day and went to lunch with my boss. And uh, my sister is a student at Asbury and she texted me around 1.30. She said, I think you should really come over here. I and so I walked in the back of the room at 1.30 thinking, oh, I'm just gonna go over for a couple of minutes. And um, immediately when I walked in the door, I just burst into tears because what I saw were students that were hungry, um, students that were uh, praying over their friends that were um, interceding for their friends. And at that point, we didn't have any tissues. Nobody knew where the tissues were. And so uh, our president's wife was walking around with a roll of paper towels, tearing them off and handing them out. And we were creating stacks on the altar and around the room. And um, I think I left that night at 8.30. So it was a little bit longer than I had planned to stay. But I just remember thinking, all these kids haven't eaten. None of them went to lunch. <laughs> so we started to collect food and water and provisions. And um, it, was, it was just the most amazing thing. And I remember my husband texted me, he said, are you coming home? And I said, I don't know if I can. Um, so it was just the space that nobody wanted to leave. The spirit was, was moving so powerfully. And, and like they've all said, like such a peaceful presence of God, but a, um, a heaviness of eternity is what I felt. Um, just knowing that, that what was being done in that room um, was, was, supernatural and that was influential and that would, would matter for eternity for these students and that what we were experiencing was unique. Um, yeah. That's great. That's great. So each of you, and obviously you represent many that would have been in the room. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of revival and outpouring, I suppose I'm always thinking it's people that have been praying and fasting for, you know, weeks and months and years and they're like the super holy ones and then God's like, yeah, you know, you've done enough now and you can receive it. And here we've got, you know, someone that went and then left to go and do homework and play tennis, someone that didn't go to chapel because they were doing work, someone that turned up late, someone that was too busy with work. And I think, and God still moved. And I think that's a real encouragement for all of us 
that sometimes I think we can slip into thinking that God is dependent upon us in a way that he's not. And that actually our performance and our behaviour dictates and dominates God's decisions. And actually what we see here is God sovereignly moved in that place and you were caught up in that. I was really struck when we were talking yesterday, Taylor, you were telling me about, I suppose, the night before the kind of practice um, before chapel and the gospel choir and what they were doing. Could you share a bit around that? Because I think that's really... Yeah, so um, with our chapel services, there's a pretty... uh normal structure to them. It's usually worship of some kind, teaching, um, and then worship at the end. And, and like Rebecca said, students can stay after if they want to. A lot of them rush off to lunch or to class. Um, and that morning, it was the gospel choir's turn to lead our worship. And uh, they had rehearsed, the, they were rehearsing the night before, totally normal. Um, and I think that's the theme that you'll see through all of this is it was just very ordinary people doing ordinary things that we do every day. And we encountered God in such a big way. Um, and we couldn't deny it. So they had decided that night to practice um, and rehearsal to pray over the space. And so they had um, spread out all over our auditorium and, and just covered the corners of the room and just really felt like they needed to pray for God to be present in the space that morning. Um, and that's no accident, right? Like we, those, those promptings of, of the spirit to do those things are, are how we live our lives. But um, yeah, so they just decided that it was, they needed to pray over the space so that it was a, a consecrated space for the next morning for chapel. Right. And AJ, you said something interesting about, was it the day before that you were nudged to look at kind of the history of Asbury? Do you want to just share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I hadn't grown up in the Kentucky Wilmore area and I hadn't really heard anything about the 1970 or the earlier revivals um, until the day before, like the Tuesday when they started on Wednesday, like someone brought it up in class and like we had a short conversation about it. And then like, I was talking with my friend from the area later in the day, and um, and I was like, someone mentioned in class about this 1970 revival. He's like, what kind of was that? And I was like, he was like, you know, it was just people that felt moved to like stay in Hughes Auditorium and continue worshiping for like eight days. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then, of course, the day later, we start a 16-day revival, and it's just a crazy like. Not even a coincidence, because I don't even believe in coincidence, but like a way that God was like moving and like setting me up like for that time. That's great. So, so it starts with students um, just enjoying God's love, resting in his presence. Uh, there's been prayer's been a key ingredient, worship's been a key ingredient, the preaching of the word's been a key ingredient, confession and testimony's been a key ingredient. And then it just starts to spiral. Tell us a little bit about that. And tell us, probably Taylor, you, you might be best to position. Tell us a bit around the kind of the world beginning to hear. And, and when we were talking, you were saying the interesting ingredient of social media that was at play. Yeah, so uh, like. AJ said, um, in Asbury's history, we've had many revivals and uh, the most, one of the most famous in the 1970s. And the unique thing about that is in the 1970s, they did not have Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. And so for those days when the revival was going on, those um, students and the staff members really just were able to sit in that revival and enjoy it. And then they sent teams out all over the world. And um, to hear those stories are amazing because we look at each other now and we're like, wait, we did the same thing. Um, so for us, 
it started to spread. So like they've said, it started on a Wednesday. By Saturday night, we were um, packed to the gills, as we say. And uh, the whole world had heard what was happening and they were beginning to show up. Um, So I remember Saturday night walking into the space and it being so full, it was overwhelming how many people were in there, but still so peaceful. And um, one of the aspects of our our auditorium is it's very old, a very old building. And so we had to uh, regulate the worship a little bit in a way that if you were a jumper or a, uh, an exuberant worshiper, you had to be on the floor because if you were in the balcony, the balconies would bounce. Um, and so there were pieces of plaster falling and we were concerned for the structural integrity of the building, but, um, but worship how you please. We won't be going there then, New Day. We, we wouldn't do very well there. We'd break all the balconies. Uh, and so then people start coming obviously kind of flooding into Asprey, that changes the, the dynamic and the, the thing. Anyone want to just share a little bit around what, what was that like in terms of suddenly having the whole world kind of crashing in? Yeah, so it was, it was definitely challenging at part. Um, some context like Asbury, it is a Christian university, but anybody's allowed to come, right? So there's students that are unbelievers, there's students that are Christian, um, and obviously we still have an education that we need to have. Um, but some of the encouragement, you think it's all chaos and stuff like that. Um, and Taylor, um, will tell you this too, even in the line, there was like an eight hour line of people waiting, um, to get into Hughes. And some people were testifying just how powerful waiting in the line was people praying for each other, people singing in line. Um, I remember a, a church wrote letters to all Asbury students, just thanking us for our hospitality, thanking us for being there. Um, I actually went down to a different university to testify and the preacher there sent me back with a carload full of food and supplies to bring back to Asbury um, to give out to people for free. So um, yes, it was crazy, but it was crazy in such a good way. And yes, we didn't expect it, but God also didn't leave us unprepared and unprovided for us. So. And, and Taylor, you, you were sharing an interesting, you can clap, yeah, that's oh, great. And um. When we were talking yesterday, Taylor, you were saying, obviously, um, no, one, no one had planned that, you know, 50,000 people are going to turn up over 16 days. Asprey has around, is it 1,000 students you've got? So obviously, you probably haven't got the food or the water to, to do that. People aren't leaving, they're staying there for hours. But you were telling me, so just some stories of God's incredible provision. Let's share some of them. Yeah, so as you can imagine, we, um, we equated it to feeding the 5,000 because people just kept showing up. And as they were standing in line, they were hungry. Uh, they were thirsty. We went through every weather pattern you could imagine. It was snowing one day. It was hot another day. Um, so the lines became uh, a challenge. But we just kept seeing uh, provision like I had never seen and never needed to trust God before. Um, you know, we, we have everything we need. We think we don't need to rely on God. But it was one of those things where we would look around and be like, I think we've run out of water. And then somebody would show up with 12 cases of water. Or it would be six o'clock and we'd say, you know, I don't think I've eaten today. And somebody would show up with literally 75 pizzas. And we would just, it would just feed us. And um, it was just amazing to see that we didn't even know what we needed but God was willing to provide it. And um, like, like Friedrich said, um, it did not surprise God that this was happening and, and he provided for that. Um, people were saying that we planned it. And if you could have seen the hub where we were, what we called like mission control, you, you would have not think that it was not planned. <laughs> we could not have planned it um, any, any way. So um, it was amazing to see that provision and to, and to 
to be in a place where we needed to trust God for that and to, and to learn that, that trust and that reliance. That's amazing, amazing. And so God's, God's moved. Uh, that was in February, 16 days of um, just God's presence being so clear, people being touched and impacted. But I guess a question that I'd really love to, to dig into a bit is, what impact has that had? What impact has that had on your life since? So we're now kind of six months on from that. Um, how have you, would you say, changed or what has been the biggest kind of legacy that's been left from your time? Rebecca, do you want to start for us? Yeah. Uh, the power of prayer and faith has definitely resonated in this past six months, just how powerful that's been and the spiritual gifts that he's revealed to me um, afterwards. The first day he taught me very quickly and humbled me on worship and relationship because I had a, I had a, like a lesson to give and I had to leave as the revival, as the outpouring was starting. And I was like, you're kidding. I was so mad. I was like, I have to leave because I had canceled so many times before. And so I had to go out and drive over to the, to the lesson. And I remember just driving super angry and just like, God, why did I leave? your presence. Like, this is a beautiful thing that's going on. And I had to leave like this, this sucks. I'm so angry. And he quickly humbled me of like, I am working right now. I am working as you're driving and that's not good driving, um, <laughs> but in your relationship and your teaching right now, that is true worship and what you are doing right now in the day to day things. And so when the revival, like just kept going, I realized, oh, this is, this is how I share the love of God. Like it's become so much more deeper, my relationship with God and with others and the importance of sharing the gospel in the way that I love others now. So, and beyond, beyond that building. So that's great. Brilliant. Brilliant. Friedrich, how about for you? Yeah. So one of the key mottos or themes of the revival was this idea of radical humility. Um, and for sure, one of the things God worked in me was on my pride, um, both normal pride, spiritual pride, all kinds of pride. And I remember I just see the goodness of God and I know God, you're worth so much more than my pride. What I think about myself, how cool I think I am, whatever. Um, and then not only that, so I would humble myself before God. I would get in his presence. I'd be joyful, all that stuff. And then I'd get back, you know, I'd leave. I'd have to go do something. And it'd be like, okay, I feel that pride for me again. You know, like a family member called what's going on. You just feel this, oh yeah, I go to Asbury. Like, um, and so it was this God wanting to take my hand and walk with me over the course of the two weeks again and again and again and again and again. And not this condemnation, but this, son, look what I have for you. Look what we can do. Um, and just his holding his hand and walking me. And then also on top of that, um, seeing my struggle, seeing my even inability to overcome um, my own weaknesses myself by white knuckling or, um, or pushing forward or whatever and seeing God's grace provide in that. And this Sabbath rest, it talks about in Hebrews 4, this Sabbath rest that he calls believers to enter into, that he's finished the work, that it's all done. Um, and I can just rest in knowing that. And of course, I still walk with him, but ultimately the work is finished from the foundation of the earth and I can um, rest in that, enjoy in that um, and then continue on my journey. So That's brilliant, great. And AJ, how about for you? Yeah, so for me, I was during one of those like first couple nights of worship, like I was just kind of looking around at everyone and like, you know, we talked about like that overwhelming feeling of like the Holy Spirit moving in that place. But I was like looking around and I was thinking, I was like, as great as this feels, like 
Heaven is going to be so much greater than anything we experience at the revival, anything we experience like anywhere here on earth, right? And I was like, well, I really don't want anyone to miss this opportunity. Like I know so many people that like aren't believers and like I don't want them to miss what we've ex- like what we will get to experience when we encounter the kingdom of heaven. So since like or like at that time, like I was like thinking and processing through all of that. And one of my friends like just came up to me and said, hey, like, what's on your heart? And I said, I told him what I just told you guys. And he said, AJ, if you want, you know, that confidence to like spread the word of God and to be bold in your faith, just ask God for that confidence because he will provide the strength that you need if you just ask him for it. So I, that night, like asked him for the strength I need to go share. And ever since then, it's just been about the rest of like the last couple months, months have been about just saying yes to Jesus, like no matter what it like, whether it's flying to England or it's just like helping someone in the grocery store, like it's about saying yes to Jesus and that's what's gonna expand the kingdom of heaven. So that was my biggest takeaway from. Amen. And Taylor, how about for you? What, what's the lasting impact for you? Yeah, just to tag on to what um, AJ said, uh, the the theme of saying yes became so apparent to us um, as we were sitting in the space and as we were continuing and and volunteers and and people were coming, um, we just kept seeing the yeses stack up. Um, Big yeses, little yeses, Um, just people saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to freedom. I think that was one of the biggest things as uh, we were doing prayer ministry, as we were praying for people, people just are are hurting and they just want to experience freedom, freedom from anxiety, freedom from struggles, freedom from um, addiction in their families. I prayed for so many people that said, I don't want to see this addiction carry on to my generation. I want to stop it. Um, And so I just, I think about all the people that we got to see walk in freedom, truly, um, get to experience that freedom and the, the lightness. And um, I was praying for a lady at one point and I, I just remember I had my hands on her shoulders and I was just praying like, Jesus, to just break these chains in her life. And I just remember her whole body just relaxing and just thinking like, man, Jesus sees us and he, he wants us to feel that lightness and he wants us to, to unclench our fists and to, to, to drop our shoulders and to, to feel that freedom in him. Um, and one of the other aspects of this is um, my husband and I got to experience this together. Um, we got to stand uh, in prayer ministry and pray for students and uh, just the, the lives that we saw change, the reconciliation, the, the rededication of, um, of their lives, the, the confirmation of calling to these students to not just be great in their profession, but to be ambassadors of Christ first and foremost um, was truly encouraging and, and has changed our household, has changed the way that we, we talk, the way that we um, view our lives in light of eternity, eternity and the, the importance of kingdom work and what we get to do and, and how it impacts generations and just truly just humbled less of us and more of Jesus every day. Amen. Amen. I am. Um, I just. We're gonna. We're gonna wrap up our interview in a minute. Taylor's uh, gonna pray over us, just that we would. We would know just all that you've just said there, really. But I just wanted to draw out a couple of things. I think are really helpful for us, uh, New Day, to to remember and to listen to. Um, I think a few things that have really come through are firstly that when you encounter Jesus, you're encountering a God that knows you, and I really love that the language that's used about the Asbury outpouring 
was lightness, it was rest. It was God coming close. And when God comes close, you're encountering love because God is love. Um, and I just really, I, I'm struck at how as you're all speaking, this desire, when you encounter Jesus, your desire to tell others about Jesus increases. And I think that's one of our big prayers for New Day this year and has been one of our prayers for New Day every year that by gathering together as God's people, as young people, that we get caught up in encountering Jesus and then we'll be sent out to go and tell others. And I think Taylor sharing as well. And I think I just want to speak to the youth leaders in the room, to the servers, those that are serving New Day. I love the fact that as she was serving, she met with the Lord. I think sometimes for us, we can get so caught up in our doing we can miss what Jesus is doing, even tonight. Simon and the band are going to lead us in, a, in, in just a, a longer time of, of worship in a moment. And I just want to encourage you, just don't, don't lose sight of Jesus, even in the serving. Uh, and so, can we give these guys a big round of applause for sharing so brilliantly? And I'm just going to ask... I'm just going to ask Taylor to pray. So why don't I just, can I just invite you just to hold your hands out where you are. I believe that there's a moment of impartation here, that that which they have received, they can share with us this goodness, this kindness of God. So let's just hold our hands out and Taylor's going to pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you um, just for this opportunity to get to share um, what we experienced with uh, the Asbury outpouring. We pray for um, every student in this room that they would know that what happened at Asbury is, is nothing significant about Asbury. It's nothing significant about us. It's all about you, Jesus. And um, that we are so thankful that the generation that was leading the way is the generation that sits in this room, that we, we have an opportunity to see uh, a generation rise up, to, to want to see their lives different, to see their families different, to see their communities different. And we pray for those leaders as they're um, being spiritual mothers and fathers to these students, that you would just help them to lean into that, that they would just feel empowered to, to lead and to, um, to trust this generation, that Lord, as much as we need this generation um, and, and they need us, uh, that we get to stand back to back, that we get to do your work. We thank you so much just for your Holy Spirit, how it comes to rest on us, how it, um, it lives inside of us and that we get to experience that, that closeness and that, um, that spirit that is so, um, just so freeing that we can experience freedom and a, a lightness um, and that we, uh, we live to get to see heaven and that we um, live to make you glorified, that uh, we become less, you become more Jesus. And um, that's all that, we, all that we want. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Do either of you guys, any of you wanna pray as well? Just over New Day quickly or? Yeah, Friedrich's just gonna pray as well and then Adrian's gonna come and share. Come Friedrich, you pray as well, my friends. Dear Lord, I just, I just thank you as I smile. I just thank you for all these young people um, that you've called to be here, Father, um, that come, have come and have believed on the good news um, and know that it's not just good news, Father, but it's the best news, Father, um, that we can be free in you, um, that you've loved us so much and that you've died for us um, and that we'd all have faith like little children, Father, no matter how old we are. Um, I just pray a continued blessing over everyone that you would bless them and keep them, shine your face upon them and give them peace, Father. Uh, We love you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's thank these guys again. Brilliant.